Welcome to One Book That Changed My Life, where entrepreneurs and experts share one book and the life-changing principles they applied. In each episode, you'll discover business books past and present that are changing the lives of people just like you. We'll cover some hidden gems, some lost classics, and shed new light on books you thought you knew. Guests range from up-and-coming coaches, consultants, speakers, and authors to big names sharing things they've never shared on podcasts before. I'm Matt Johnson, agency owner, podcaster, and author of Microfamous. I'll be your host for this journey through the land of life-changing books, so let's dig in. Welcome back, everybody. This is one book that changed my life, and I'm really, really excited because I get to have a chat with a gentleman that I spoke to four or four, maybe five years ago. And it was when I did a very rough prototype version of this podcast. It was originally just kind of um, named after my company, but the concept was the same. We did one season of it and I loved it, but it didn't make sense at the time to continue because other things were taking off. And now I was able to come back to this idea and Michael reached out and we, we reconnected. And so we basically get to have another conversation and we get to share a different book from the one that we originally talked about. So there's been another impactful book that we're going to discuss. So if you don't know Michael, you should. So amazing expert on personal development, author, uh, multi-time author, published author. Um, his latest book is Fearless Intelligence. He's a trainer, speaker, an ex-radio guy, now turned podcaster. And just an all-around, not just good guy, as we were joking before we hit record. Um, I would say deep thinker, which I really respect. And, and then someone who really focuses on taking that deep thinking and put it into practical application, which not everybody does. There's a lot of deep thinkers that stay deep and then never come back into the real world. So um, yeah, that, that's what I wanted to say about my impression from getting to know you just a little bit over the last few years of us talking and conversing over the years. So officially, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt, thank you. That's uh, interesting that you would say that. That's high praise. Because uh, I, I know what you're talking about, the ability to pursue really arcane or esoteric uh, concepts, but to remain grounded and bring them into the world in practical ways, I think is a challenge for a lot of us as teachers. And uh, I'm really glad you appreciate that. Thanks. Absolutely. So when you encounter somebody today, what do you tell them that you do? Oh, I uh, describe myself essentially as a personal development coach, counselor. If they're a business person, I'll say consultant, uh, a mentor. Uh, I'm a teacher, not a therapist. My approach is educational rather than therapeutic. And uh uh, when I work with a private client in a one-on-one -on -one situation, I'm giving them uh, weekly tools, or however often they come, maybe once a month, I give them tools and practical techniques that they can use in their life. Most of them meditation or guided imagery type processes, because you really have to manage the stress and feel safe for your mind and for that matter, your heart, to open up and be amenable to this new information. So we use meditation uh, in many, many forms and often guided imagery to install this new information. Um, like, what is self-love? What does that really mean? How do you love yourself 
without the ego <laughs> trying to take credit for it. Um, how do we heal childhood hurt? How do we discern the meaning and significance of our current feelings? Uh, since it's becoming increasingly apparent to people that thinking about your feelings doesn't really get you any place. <laughs> and then uh, some problem solving, some decision making, some peak performance skills and accelerated learning. That's that pretty much rounds out what I do. Yeah, that is that is an incredible and incredibly deep uh, skill set and toolbox you must have to do that kind of work. Uh, I, I have worked with um, a gentleman that I met years and years ago. It's been kind of in and out of my life as, as a mentor. At one point, he was my official business coach and I paid him. Then we went back to being friends and mentors and things like that. I still send him, I think three years later, it's been maybe three years since we actually officially worked together. I still send him a daily report every weekday, which he still reads. Accountability thing. Very kind to do it. Yeah, it's uh, and it does make a huge difference. Just that, and and um, I, I know from just getting to know him that to do that kind of work with peak performance and accelerated learning, yeah, you have to have as a coach, you have to have an incredibly deep skill set because you have to like people just don't respond to the same thing. So you can't you can't do like a pure one size fits all approach. Um, and so I want to talk about, touch on a couple of the concepts from your book, Fearless Intelligence, towards the end. But I know we're going to talk about As a Man Thinketh, personal development classic, early 1900s. So let's set the scene a little bit. Tell me kind of where you were at in your business, in your life, whatever you want to share. But just give, um, give us an idea kind of where you were at in your life when you first encountered the book. Uh, James Allen's As a Man Thinketh was a book that I encountered in my must have been in my late 20s, Matt. And I had taken, by that time, a class called Silva Mind Control. This was just a couple of years out of college. And I loved it because there was nothing to join. Uh, I didn't have to follow anybody. There was no guru. It was just an academic approach to basically self-hypnosis and, and meditation. And um, shortly after that, you know, that, that initiated my interest in all things uh, self-help and personal development. So it was shortly after that that I stumbled across the book, or maybe somebody recommended it to me. And boy, it just kicked in the afterburners. I mean, it was just, wow, it was so lid-lifting. And I love the fact that it was old, you know, from 1903. And uh, it just spoke so directly to me. It was so simply stated. And this author, James Allen, I figured must have had to be really clear about what he was talking about to write a book that was this breezy and accessible. And um, so in many ways, Matt, it became the foundation of everything I learned after that. And uh, I, I have it near the top of my reading list, and I've recommended it to countless people since. What, what's the one big idea that you hope people take away? So, Because uh, you're recommending it to the audience, and you've recommended it a lot in your life. What do you hope that people take away from it? Personal responsibility for creating your life that uh, success is not based on what you do, but who you are. Mm 
that um, your intention and the thoughts and feelings and behavior that follows creates your reality, that we're not victims of a life that's being done to us. That life flows through us, uh, not merely from us, but through us. And if we create alignments with that life force, with that creative, life-affirming energy, all things are possible. It's like the Napoleon Hill mantra, if you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. And the whole idea that consciousness or awareness is fundamental to me is so important. And that's why I wrote my book, Fearless Intelligence, because I realized that fear by any name, from panic to mild nervousness or apprehension and everything in between, destroys self-awareness and therefore erodes intelligence. And so all the barriers to our success are rooted in some sort of anxiety. Yeah, there was something you mentioned earlier that I didn't get a chance to follow up on because I think it'll lead in an interesting direction, but I'll follow up on it now, which is you mentioned that um, that it's hard in a state of like anxiety or fear for your heart and your mind, especially to even open up. Right. And, And you can you can bring this down to something as simple as your mind going blank when you have to give a presentation in other people in front of other people, right? The, the fear of social death is so great that it then closes our minds down and it can even close our, our heart down. So you don't, you can't convey emotion. Like you're, you're so caught up in just trying to avoid uh, embarrassment, things like that. So um, how, like, how do you, how do you recommend that we start to be more aware of what, of that going on? Right. So when, when, when we're in a state of fear, even if it's a mild fear like anxiety, what, what are some of the things that you can start to bring awareness to that will help you overcome that? Well, like anything else, fear is what we do not understand. It has little or nothing to do with danger. If there is danger present, real physical danger, and you feel fear, that fear too is about what you don't understand about the danger. It's not about the danger. And 90% of the time, 99% of the time, there's nothing dangerous at all. Our fear is simply a response to confusion. That's the premise of the book, Fearless Intelligence. That's the basic concept. So knowing that allows you to recognize what 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 you can begin to do to manage that fear whenever you're frightened. Uh, the fear itself will grip you. You know when you're nervous or frightened or worried. You get all kinds of clues. You know, your your hands may get sweaty. Your stomach may experience the that butterfly experience. Uh, you know, you're... You may gird your loins or uh, uh, feel a lump in your throat uh, or just remember some terrifying experience that you're reminded of. The question is, what do I do in response to that? The first most important thing we can do to reverse 
this amygdala hijack. That's what it's called in the literature. It's, it's the fight or flight system in the brain centered in the amygdala. Uh, hijacking or shutting down the higher brain functions, all of your creativity is destroyed and replaced by an either or. Are you with me or against me? All true or all false, all differences are opposites in, in this uh, mentality when our uh, higher brain functions are shut down and replaced by this primitive lizard brain, this limbic brain. That's where the amygdala sits. So we need to persuade it that we're really safe. And the first thing to do is take a couple of slow, deep breaths. Mm -hmm. Pulling in strength and power as you inhale and as you exhale slowly, create and sense a feeling of letting go in the physical body. And this sends a message to the brain that you're actually safe. Because if you're in danger, you'd tighten your grip and your breathing would get rapid and shallow. So these two things, a slow, deep breath or two or three, and a feeling of letting go. And then positive affirmations remember times that you did well before and that you really do know your material and this is going to be easy and this self-talk like who are you talking to when you talk to yourself you're talking to the unconscious mind that is in charge of regulating all this fight or flight stuff and it backs off and it says oh i i guess we're maybe not in so much danger. And then you excel in your performance. Uh, you peak your performance that way. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned before we hit record that just the, the book is about the fact that knowledge is the antidote to fear. Is that the right phrasing? That's exactly taken from Ralph Waldo Emerson, the American transcendentalist. I, I would pick a nit with him and think understanding is a better word than knowledge because uh, any fool can know things. The secret is to really understand. But you get the sense of what he says, knowledge and understanding. That indeed is the antidote to fear. Uh, fear being simply a response to not understanding. Hey, it's Matt, and if you want to turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, that is the question I am obsessed with. And you can get all of my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, etc. It all goes into the Microfamous Field Report, which is available only on Substack. So go to microfamous.substack.com, enter your email address to get access for free. And now let's get back to the conversation. Well, it's interesting because you we talked a little bit earlier about just like fear of the unknown. And what's interesting is that I think there are two, roughly two types of people. Um, you're, I don't think you're necessarily locked into being one or the other. It gets situational, but I just, I'll just see how this strikes you. But to me, there are people who are nervous, anxious, and fearful going into any sort of unknown. And once it becomes less of an unknown, the fear goes away, right? People that are like their their confidence is based on competence. Once I prove I'm competent, I'm no I'm therefore confident and no longer fearful, right? Then you have a smaller percentage of people which, for whatever reason, have a level of confidence that they can handle the unknown. So it matters less to them whether it's unknown because they already have the inbuilt confidence that hey, I've tackled unknown things before. 
This is another unknown. I don't know yet whether I will be competent, but I've handled unknown things before and I've always been okay. Therefore, I'll be okay this time. Um, one guy put it at like 95% one and 5% the, the other uh, is how I remember one person describing it. Do you, do you find that? And, and, and I, I kind of said, you're not locked into one or the other that it's situational, but um, do you see that come up in your coaching practice? And do you agree with those two, just kind of seeing the world in those two types of people? It's never occurred to me to model it quite like that. I understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. What I teach is that who we are and what we're for is perfect for facing the unknown. Our essence in a spiritual as well as a psychological sense is to solve problems and to redeem ignorance into understanding. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're made for. And when you know that's who you are, and set the personality, the persona, which is from the Latin meaning mask, if we set the persona or the personality or the ego aside and just look at this amazing species, the human being, and ask who are we and what we're for. We're problem solvers, we're learners, we're creators, we're developers. Our job, we're pioneers. Our job is to adventure forth into the unknown and improve its quality, to bring heaven to earth, to make the to leave your campsite better than it was when you arrived. <laughs> That's what we do. That's who we are. And with that attitude, your success is guaranteed. That's so good. You're yeah, because you're right. That is a no matter who you are, that is a much better attitude to approach all of life. Because even if you're a naturally confident person, you're going to encounter something that will shake that confidence at some point. If you don't feel like you're a very confident person, like you pointed out, that's still a mask. That's still a personality. And you can set that aside and say, no, like I am made to step into the unknown and improve on what's there and bring order out of chaos. Very well said. And uh, let me say that because each of us is unique, we're like others in many, many ways, but at the end of the day, we have DNA proof of our individuality. And so we have different competencies and the secret is simply meant to follow your heart. Mm. If you're not sure where to go, follow your heart, not your head. Your head is for understanding the world around you. That's what thoughts are for. That's why you go to school. And they don't teach you emotional intelligence. So many people haven't figured out yet that emotional intelligence is personal. It's subjective. And whenever it comes to understanding yourself or developing yourself, we have to also be emotionally intelligent and trust the intuition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, let's go back to your story a little bit and then we'll close out. Is there anything that still sticks out to you about the book and the trajectory that it sent you on? Cause you mentioned it, it like opened the lid. So obviously it, it sent you on a, on a path of continuing down this personal development journey. So of course there's a lot of other things that you read and a lot of other things that you thought about and explored since reading that book. What, um, how do you feel like the book affected your 
trajectory? And is there anything that really comes to mind story-wise that maybe wouldn't have happened if you wouldn't have encountered that book? Well, for me, the strength of the book is developing the allegory uh, that, that Christ taught about reaping what you sow. And he goes on about it. He's, he talks about, you know, you have to scatter a lot of seeds because some will fall on rocky soil. They're not going to grow. And other seeds are not going to get enough water and they're going to, they're not going to develop into anything. So you got to, you got to sow a lot of seeds. You got to care about it. But more importantly, if you want watermelons, you can't plant radishes and pray for watermelons. Yeah. <laughs> If you if you want melons, you've got to plant melons, and if you plant radishes, that's what you're going to get. And oh, by the way, some of these weeds are going to pop up spontaneously, and you're going to have to uh, pull them out. We call it weeding them out, right? Mm-hmm. And um, cultivate what you do want to grow, and that allegory becomes so remarkably rich. And then to partner that with whatever understanding you have of karma, Mm -hmm. which is really the same law, the same principle of you reap what you sow, you go where you look, and we do tend to get what we expect. Mm -hmm. I think target fixation is a particularly fascinating aspect of this, that we go where we look. Anybody who rides a skateboard or snow skis uh, or rides a motorcycle knows or learns the hard way that if you look at an object you're trying to avoid, every attempt you make to avoid it will be countermanded <laughs> and you will hit the object because you're looking at it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if your idea of a goal is avoiding what you don't want, guess what you're going to continually create? Yeah exactly what you don't want. The secret is to look at what you do want, to become briefly aware of the obstacle. We want to be smart about this, not Pollyanna. So look at the downside, look at the negative, consider the circumstances, but worry once. Mm -hmm. Then put it behind you, turn your attention to what you do want. And uh, you can't also, you know, you can't look, only just in front of you. You've got to look down the road. That's one of the secrets to teaching a kid to learn the bike, to to ride a bike, is to raise your gaze to the horizon. Look at the horizon, not the the not not the area right in front of the tire, because you're going to weave all over then, right? Yeah. But if you look to the horizon, let the brain do that for you, and boy, everything just smooths out. I know. Now, now we're getting into like psycho cybernetics territory. That's always yeah. very exciting for me. I love yeah. that. Yeah, we can talk for hours about that. I love it. Yeah, you're so you're so right about that. It's interesting because you're the riding the bike is a great analogy because it basically acknowledges the reality that we have a subconscious mind that controls a lot more than we're probably comfortable with. And looking at the horizon basically is trusting your subconscious mind to handle all the stuff that you're not actively looking at that you feel like in the moment you really should pay really close attention to, right? Because you really want to, you really want to look at that stuff. I remember I'm taking motorcycle lessons and they're like, do not look at the oncoming traffic. Like you're, you just like the bike is such a perfect analogy for what, for, for life, because 
it, it, it responds so much quicker than let's say a car, for example, right? Like uh, you can, you can get away with more having bad focus when you're riding a car, when you're riding a motorcycle, your balance instead little subtle shifts in your balance can send the bike going in the direction of wherever you're looking. So when you're going around a turn, you have to look at where you want to go and your, your natural reaction is to look at the bike and where you're like, what's right in front of you. You have to look up and let your subconscious handle all that stuff. And it's, it's not an easy thing to do. You got to raise your vision, raise your gaze, look at your goal. Not all the stuff you're trying to do avoid. I heard a race car driver say once, never look at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good. Otherwise, you'll be looking at it more closely than you're coming. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's do this. Uh, we, we could talk for a long time. I, you know, I knew this was going to go this way because of our last conversation. But uh, I want everybody to go to get the book. So Fearless Intelligence is on Amazon. It has an amazing rating, like 4.9. has a whole bunch of uh, fantastic reviews, uh, almost 100 at this point. And so I want people to go get the book. Uh, other than just getting the print copy on Amazon, is there anything that you would like people to do in order just to stay connected up with you? Do you want them to go listen to your podcast? Do you want them to get on your mailing list? What would you like them to do? Oh, thank you. Yes, of course. I'd love for them to listen to the podcast. You introduced me as a former radio guy. I guess I forgot to mention that 12 months ago, I was invited to come back on KPFK, which is a big FM station, 110,000 watts in Los Angeles at 90.7 that covers all of southern california but we also live stream every tuesday afternoon at one o'clock at kpfk.org i have a different personal development consciousness mysticism and magic meditation and mindfulness kind of a guest okay. uh, every tuesday at one and that program is podcast. It's on my YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. uh, the website is theagelesswisdom.com, and they can get the uh, show notes newsletter uh, at that location as well, just by dropping an email. And it's all free and it's all fun and commercial free. No commercials, no ads. It's all free. Love it. All right. So the, the brand is Ageless Wisdom. But the, the website is theagelesswisdom.com. Right. Yeah, right. got it. Okay, right. I just wanted to make sure. I was looking that up while we were here because I wanted to make sure I don't get get that across to the audience. Thank and they, they go looking for Ageless Wisdom doesn't come up. Okay. That's the another guy. He's not, yeah. as, that's another, he's not as good. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he's right. well intended. I appreciate well his efforts. Exactly. <laughs> theagelesswisdom.com. And then go get Fearless Intelligence on Amazon. Go do it. Do not delay. Add it to your Amazon card immediately. Michael, thanks a lot. I appreciate this and always appreciate catching up with you. Oh, thank you, Matt. And I'm so glad you're starting this podcast again about books. You know, reading is down by 25%. Yeah. And when we don't read, it's no different than not knowing how. Mm -hmm. So even, you know, audiobooks, whatever, expose yourself to new information. Yeah. It's essential to being uh, successful and, and books i think are the best way to learn from people who are dead or far away so <laughs> yes read i agree that's exactly why i started the show there's more books than i can ever read even classics like this that you think i would have already read there's always something i encounter that i haven't gotten a chance to because there aren't enough hours in the day to read all the books that i'd love to read uh and for those that are kind of in the audience that feel the same way i do this is a cool podcast to catch up on things that gives you gives you the core idea 
gives you the big, you know, the, the clear and compelling idea of the book without having to read it so that you get it. But then you can also, you know, get exposed to books that you think, you know, I, I should really go dive into that, you know, and that's the same thing I feel about as a man think of. So it's a good reminder to me to go read it. So I appreciate that. Well, let me know how you like it. Stay in I touch. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating and reviewing the show. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other entrepreneurs and experts. Every time you share the show, you're putting life-changing ideas into someone's life. Now, to get the Microfamous Field Report that helps you turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, go to microfamous.substack.com and enter your email to access it for free. That's where you get all my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, everything goes into the Microfamous Field Report. So go to Substack, sign up for that today so you get that. And stay tuned for the next episode of One Book That Changed My Life. We'll see you there.